Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for June 17th, 2019. I'm Scott, I go by Tannute Online, and I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work full-time on CircuitPython, uh, as I have been for almost the last three years. So, uh, been working on that. Give Adafruit lots of props for their support of the project. Um, this is our weekly meeting. It happens at 11 a.m.-ish Pacific time every Monday. Um, that is 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it happens on the Adafruit Discord server. Uh, and everyone is welcome to join the meeting and the server. You can go to, to the URL adafru.it slash discord to join. Um, we have text channels that we're in all week long, and we are in the voice chat during the meeting um, for that. Uh, this meeting is run in... It, this meeting is recorded. Let me say that first. Uh, so I'm recording both the my Discord screen and the audio. So be aware of that. Um, if you don't want to, uh, if you don't have a mic or anything, let us know that you're lurking. Um, that will no, uh, cue us to either read off notes that you put in our in the, the shared doc, or um, we will just skip over you uh, as we do some portions that I'll talk about just a little bit. Um, so just be aware that it is recorded. Um, they, it is recorded so that it's posted on a bunch of podcast services and on YouTube. So if you want to catch up from missing a meeting, let us know, um, or, or check out the, the recordings from the previous week. Uh, and you can go back in time as far as you like. Um, we have somewhere out like 80 recordings now. So be aware that that it's a lot of content. Um, this meeting is run in five parts. We start with a community news section that Phil from uh, Adafruit uh, runs. And then we from there we do uh, kind of a statistics view of the health of the CircuitPython project, both the core C code and the uh, libraries uh, that complement that. Um, after that, we do hug reports, which is a chance to say thank you to the folks uh, for the work that they've been doing. Uh, just anyone for the... any any awesome things that you want to highlight so uh that's what uh hug reports is we'll do that as a round robin so uh i will start the host starts as an example and then we go th uh down the list of folks in the voice channel um and loop around and that's when you can tell us hey i'm lurking uh and we'll skip over you or if you're text only we'll read it off or if you're able not even able to make the meeting we can read it off for you as well uh the sec the next section is status updates and it's done as a round robin as well uh, you take a little bit of time to say, hey, I'm. Uh, this is what I've been working on, and this is what I plan on working on in the coming week. It's a great way to make sure that everybody is um, on the same page as to what's happening, who's working on what, and it's a chance to also say uh, any give any tips or tricks for things that people are trying to work on. And then uh, lastly, uh, we have a section that we lovingly call In the Weeds, uh, which is a chance for any longer form discussion that may have kind of started during a, a status updates, but we want to wait till the end when we can really discuss some technical details. So um, if you have topics for In the Weeds, drop them in the CircuitPython text channel, which is the one that we all keep, well, I keep track of during the meeting, um, and, uh, and or put them in the notes doc. Um, that's a great way to put In the Weeds as well. So uh with that let's kick it over to phil for community news hello everybody how you doing good how are you good all right so um i wrapped up a lot of the adafruit adabox stuff 
So I had some more time to work on CircuitPython stuff. Um, that being said, AdaBox 12 is out at shipping. So if Whoop. you're one of the people who uh, has that, uh, congratulations. You might want to cover your ears for a second because I'm going to talk about what's in it. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, AdaBox 12 is a iGamer, and that means there's going to be thousands of people out there that can do Python games. So as much as um, we've all been waiting for to do something with CircuitPython and have thousands of people ready to gobble up projects, um, it's here. If you look at some of the previous things that happened with PyPortal, for instance, as soon as that went out, there was uh, tons and tons of projects that the community made. It's still hard to keep up with it. Um, check it out. And I'll put in links. Um, I'll probably put in these links into the chat uh, as soon as I'm, I'm done. So I'm going to get through this stuff kind of fast. Uh, next up, EuroPython 2019 attendees get a CircuitPython-powered pew-pew game. Uh, Radomir, who a lot of you all know, is uh, going to be there. They need some help with the workshops. Uh, the links and more are in the notes and also in our newsletter. And I'll also put that in the chat in just a couple of minutes. 8-8-2019 is CircuitPython Day. There has been some activities already. Uh, folks just asking, hey, I'm going to do like... An event, it's going to be on Eventbrite, and um, Adafruit, can you send us some stickers or some boards? Answer is yes, yes, and yes. And we also have an email address, circuitpythonday at adafruit.com. If anyone wants to help coordinate or do something in their area, or um, what we like to do, lots of stuff online, let us know what you're up to. We'll also have more blog posts. Uh, congratulations to Andreas, who did a video not too long ago about um, Arduino and the move to MicroPython circuit python it's going to be his number one video in just a few minutes i think and that's out of all of his videos the last five to ten years so that just means a lot of people are interested in learning it maybe come from an arduino world and want to learn about this micro python circuit python thing so if all of us just like go to the video it'll probably be his number one video in just a few minutes um there'll be a video in just a few minutes that we're releasing it's the um super top secret preview of the Bluetooth Circuit Playground Express. So that adds um, Bluetooth to Circuit Playground. A lot of people want it, and we're working on it. A lot of updates on circuitpython.org, specifically Blinka. Thanks, Melissa. You can see some of the new boards there and more. Um, if you have a uh, single board computer, a Linux board, and you want to make sure Blinka runs on it, which is CircuitPython for Linux, and you don't see it on that list, you can help out, or you can just let us know. And we'll probably just pick up the board and get it going. Um, Discord offers server boost. I mentioned this last week, and also it's in um, I think a few few different places from the newsletter to I think our, our show. Um, ask an engineer. We're up to six boosts right now. I think if we have four more, that means we get higher quality audio, a server banner, and bigger uploads. So I think most of our team will probably get it to ten. But if you have a uh, ability to boost the server, I think some people already participate in Discord in other ways. And when you have like a membership, they give you a little boost ability. Um, I'll put the link in there. And then uh, last up, uh, this is just company news. If anyone is a PHP developer and wants to live and work in New York City, Adafruit's hiring. And I have an email address for that, apply at adafruit.com. Um, we're a cool company. Get talk to people who work here, ask how it is. But if uh, you know PHP, a lot of our stuff is based on PHP. And that's what we're looking for. Uh, we like remote folks, but this one in particular has to be a job in new york city which ain't so bad it's a fun city mm -hmm. and it's, that's the community it's a cool news. place yeah i gotta visit soon and that's it awesome thanks will all right thanks everybody all right
Uh, let's move on to the state of CircuitPython and the libraries after I take a time code. Um, this is a statistics overview of this, the health of the project, uh, meant kind of as a metrics-driven sort of thing uh, week to week. Uh, we do it in uh, kind of three sections, overview uh, or, or overall core and libraries. So I'll start with overall. Um, I'll take another time code to be good about it. Um, so overall, uh, we had 13 pull requests merged in, in the last week from five different authors, uh, Brent Radimir, myself, Mr. McWethy, and Dan Halbert. Uh, we had four reviewers, uh, myself, Katni, Lydia, and Dan. So thank you to everybody who is author and reviewer. Uh, typically here we say, uh, hey, reminder, reviewing's a great way to get started. Um, so if you see a pull request that's open and you have the the devices that um, need that the pull request would use, uh, try the new code and see if it works for you. And then just chime in on the pull request to say like, hey, I tried this and it works just fine or it fixed the bug. Um, and let us know that's super helpful and it's a great way to get started. Uh, issues wise, we had 17 closed issues by 10 people, four open by four people. So we're way down on issues. Uh, we're typically right about even. So 17 closed is awesome. Um, and then uh, overall, uh, we're, we have a beta of 4.1 out, which has a lot of performance improvements. So uh, if you're doing any display work in particular, check that out. Um, but yeah, we, we want to be quick about having kind of adding features to our stable branches. So this is the first one of those. Uh, we'll have some discussions about what the next one will be, but um, this is the first one. And give it a shot. I think uh, 401 itself has been going pretty well. So I'm really feeling good about this kind of stable phase that we're in right now. Um, all right. And with that, I'll go on to the core. Uh, thank you, Katni, for taking notes. Um, for the core, we had uh, seven pull requests merged from myself, Dan, and Radimir Deshipu. Uh, two reviewers, myself and Dan. Uh, we have seven open pull requests. Uh, they're listed in the notes here. Uh, we had five closed issues by two people, four open by four people, uh, for a total of 177 open issues. So um, there's, a, again, a link there. We have six active milestones. I, I just added one for 4.1.0, which is like any issues that come up with in our uh, betas of that. Um, so that's... Where those go, and we'll have one. Op we have one open there. We have uh, three bug fixes in the 4xx branch, which is also interesting. And then we also have two issues not assigned a milestone. So those are kind of the highlights. Uh, more details are in the uh, in the notes. We have download stats. Uh, we've had 67 downloads of 4.1.0 beta beta zero. So uh, that's kind of low. I would expect it to be a little bit more than that. Uh, but for stable, as always, stable has 4,061 uh, downloads. So it's always way ahead of the unstable downloads, which totally makes sense because that's where we want to see people have it. Um, and if you're interested to see what the download stats are by language, uh, those are in the notes docs too, but I will not read those off. Let's go to Katni for library updates. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. So uh, over the last week, we had six pull requests merged by three authors. 
uh, and three reviewers. Our authors were uh, Scott, Brent, and Mr. McCleffy, and our reviewers were Lady Ada, Scott, and myself. Um, we have 31 open pull requests. A list of those are available in the notes. We have 12 issues closed by nine people and zero open by zero people. So we are very net down, which is excellent, uh, leaving us with 105 open issues. Um, and you can see those at circuitpython.org slash library slash contributing. Uh, if you're interested in uh, getting started with CircuitPython, the library issues are, are a good place to start. Uh, that same link will take you to both the list of issues on every repo and also the list of library infrastructure issues, which is to say um, we have a standard that we like to keep because it's easier to maintain. And there are still uh, libraries that are not quite up to the standard. So some of that stuff is fairly simple fixes. Um, and would be a great first issue uh, for a lot of people. Also in the notes are our new and updated libraries. Um, I, this is a very short list this week, so I will read it off. Our new library is RGB LED, and we updated the PN532, ESP32 SPI, bus device, and EPD libraries. Uh, and that's where we are with the libraries. Nice. Thank you so much, Katni. Nice job on closing 12 issues. Thank you. I uh, am not sure how much I helped, but <laughs> thank you to everybody who was involved. All the organizing is very helpful. Uh, all right. So let's go into Hug Reports. Uh, that was just a preview. So Hug Reports is a chance for everyone to say a quick thanks to folks who have done something awesome. Uh, it's good for two reasons. One, it's good to say thank you to people. And two, it's good for us to establish why, what things we value within our community. Um, so I will take a time code and start us off. Uh, my kind of habit is to get caught up on Sunday nights and, and take a look at what's happening. So there might be some relevance to that. So uh, I got lots of stuff. I was, I was very excited about um, all the things that are happening. So first and foremost, uh, Carlos Diaz, uh, also known as C47D, has been picking up more and more work started off by doing just our Spanish translations, but has been diving into the core of circuit Python. Uh, so kudos to Carlos, uh, for working on the RGB status led support. It's not checked in yet, but I'm excited to work with them to get it, uh, going hopefully next week. Uh, I'm very busy this week, but next week, I hope to see that get in if not sooner. Um, uh, shout out to Shaz for the performance testing between MicroPython and CircuitPython. And then Dan took a look at that and was kind of surprised that it was as bad as it turned out to be. Uh, but then Dan found some reasons why and made it a whole lot faster. So thank you to both of them. Um, Kevin J. Walters has been just doing a great job uh, improving our MIDI support. So there's a discussion about some changes to to make it easier to switch between USB MIDI and UART MIDI. So thanks to Kevin uh, and folks for that. Um, thank you to CP Forbes for adding a live directory by default. Uh, it didn't make it into the stats for the core uh, today, but um, got a, checked it in last night uh, for uh, thank you. So thank you to CP Forbes for doing some core work and knocking out an issue for us. Um, thank you to Mr. McWethy for the e-paper display uh, library work and the subsequent release. Um, welcome back. Uh, Mr. McWethy contributed maybe a year or two ago now and kind of went off and was doing stuff and then has started to crop up again. So happy to see you helping out, uh, Mr. McWethy. 
Uh, thank you to Gaston Williams, aka Four Sticks, for the quick joystick driver in the community bun bundle. Um, so uh, just a shout out for folks. Uh, just a reminder that we do have uh, a community bundle for drivers that are like not for Adafruit products and not supported by Adafruit funded folks. So if you have devices that you like, for example, the SparkFund Quick uh, devices, and you want to see CircuitPython drivers for those, the community bundle is a great place to put them. Um, and I was looking through Discord, and Summersoft was a huge help for that as well. So thanks to Summersoft for helping get uh, four sticks going. Um, thank you to Doc Malo for the ESP32 spy work. Um, really, th there's been huge project progress made on the connectivity side through ESP, and Doc Malo has been one of the folks, not just the only one, but one of the folks that's been really helpful with that. And then lastly, uh, thank you to Katni and Summersoft for their continued uh, improvements on Cookie Cutter. Um, it's really nice to not have to worry about the, the tooling side of CircuitPython libraries and CircuitPython libraries in general. So you've both been doing a great job. So thank you for that. And uh, since Lady Ada has a meeting in eight minutes, I believe, I'm going to kick it over to her for both hug reports and status updates. Sure. You're really quiet. Um, so can you skip me and I'll, I'll, I'll try to turn on. Okay. All right. So Lady is going to try to sort her mic out. And let's go to Brent while she does that. Hello. I have a lot of hug reports this week. Yay. Um, definitely one of them to Lady Ada for helping me bring up the board last week and showing me the ropes for fabrication and then verification. Um, this is one that goes to the people who work at Adafruit for Adabox 12. Um, it's a really big effort, if, and I sit on the floor here and I see people building this and hitting it, and then downstairs they're shipping it, and it's like a company-wide effort, and it's done until the next Adabox. Um, for Carter, for the Display I.O. guide I was reading this morning, it's an awesome guide. I remember thinking that I wanted to read it a while back and I never got to reading it, and I was like, well... I'll learn it eventually, and it still holds true, and it's really good, especially for 4.0, where Display.io really came in. Um, and then Maker Melissa for the Pi Badge button code. It's part of the conference badge, and it let me get going really quickly this morning as well with something I'm working on. And to Doc Malo for the ESP32 Spy Enterprise code, which is super useful because I've written a lot of libraries for Azure and Adafruit.io and Philips Hue that use ESP32 spy and wrap around it. So those will all get enterprise Wi-Fi connectivity once that's pulled in. Awesome. All right, uh, Lady Ada, how you doing? Okay. My mic, my mic is working now. So. Yes, it is. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Uh, okay, I want to give a hug report. Wow, so many hug reports. Okay, Maker Melissa has just been totally walking out and doing Blinka code. Um, it's really exciting to see more Linux boards um, show up on the Blinka list. We're going to be doing more and more. If people have uh, their favorite Linux single board computer that they want to see added, um, open up an issue on Blinka and we'll take a look at it. We're kind of going, meandering through uh, what we think are the most popular ones, but we might have missed something. Um, thanks to Dan and Scott for uh, doing Zoom Zoom update for uh, CircuitPython. It's cool because I you know, just finished a bunch of hardware so I can go back and do some CircuitPython display stuff. So that's good for me. Um, 
let's see, everyone who helped out with all Adabox 12, including guides and tutorials and documentation libraries. Uh, there's a lot of you, but uh, thanks to everyone. Um, Sedacious for uh, wrapping up a whole bunch of libraries and products that we're getting into the store. So we put in uh, the LPS 35HW and all these uh, new products are also coming with CircuitPython libraries that he is publishing. And I think that's all my hug reports. Plus, you know, one general hug report to everybody in the community. I'm so excited to see how CircuitPython is evolving uh, and, and taking on new hardware and showing up in places unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really cool. And I will pop over to my meeting. So thanks, everybody. Uh, do and, you want to uh, do status updates? The only status update is, uh, you know, we're, we're shipping the Ada boxes. I have a new Pygamer advanced design, which is um, people are testing out. It's basically the, the Pygamer plus a 320 by 240 display. So that'll be nice. It's a nice IPS display. We've um, got Brent working on the uh, Pi badge Wi-Fi, which also has a bigger display and also a Wi-Fi module. So that might be good for uh, IoT connected badge projects. I brought up the first circuit. Playground Bluefruit, which is the NRF52840 base circuit Python um, board. Only one out of four prototypes came back out, but I, I think I know why the yield was bad, and uh, we'll be improving that. So maybe in the fall we'll have uh, a Bluetooth circuit Python board. So uh, really, um, circuit playground board. So really mm -hmm. great for you know all-in-one, battery-powered Bluetooth activity. So it'll be backwards compatible with the circuit playground express. You'll be able to use it with like the Cricut and all of our add-ons, but um, of course it'll be the NRF52840, and that's what I'm up to. Sweet, thank you so much. All right, and with that, let's uh, skip over Carter, who's lurking, and go to see Grover. Hello there. Well, group hug to the community as usual, and especially to the team that worked on the 4.1 beta. It's just amazing. It's going to transform a couple of my projects. Um, getting the display to work, an OLED display to work, using frame buff with that is just sweet. It's just sweet. Anyway, a hug also to uh, KJW um, for his MIDI library that he, that he posted through um, Adafruit. It's the new Adafruit MIDI library. He did a really great job on that, and I learned a lot um, just looking through his code. It's excellent. Awesome. All right. Uh, Charles is lurking, so we'll go to Dan. Okay. So um, as Scott mentioned, thanks to Shaz for actually comparing the run, the running, run the speed of CircuitPython versus MicroPython, which uh, motivated us to or to look at what was the difference and it was actually much simpler than we thought. And um, so we made a, an initial speed up and there, there are more possibilities for even more speed ups as well. And thanks to Scott for the display IO uh, work, the partial updates, which also which sped up that part of CircuitPython. So now that things are just like zooming along when you wanna redisplay something and display new images on the screen. And thanks to uh, Radomir to Deshipu for the EuroPython um, Pew Pew uh, gaming badgy thing giveaway, which is really wonderful. That's a great thing to have this kind of hardware giveaway, both for US uh, Python show, which we did with TPXs, and for EuroPython with his project. Okay, thank you. Sweet. Thanks, Dan. And let's go to Deshipu. Oh, okay. Does it work? Yep. Yeah. Can okay. Just... So thanks to Scott and Dan for for the amazing work with with uh, 
performance improvements that really will come in handy. And that's it for me. Sweet. Thanks for hopping in. All right. Uh, Doc Milo is text only, so I'll read theirs off. Um, so Doc Milo says, uh, hugs to Deshipu for the Pew Pew Euro Python giveaway. Hugs uh, right back to Jerry, Katni, and myself for the hugs. Uh, super appreciated. And uh, thank you for to Dan for both the BLE work and the speed up work. That's from Doc Malo, Higher Effect, and uh, Jason P, who dropped out, are lurking. So we'll go to Jerry. Um, yeah, hi. Uh, let's see. Well, I've, I've, I've Doc Malo for again all the ESP32 SPI work. Looking forward to checking it all out. And uh, Summersoft uh, for some, some very uh, patient and, and thorough uh, help in the Discord um, forums um, this week. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch and uh, learn, learn, learn by watching. It's fun, and it's a group hug. It's been a, been a good week. It's done a lot of work. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Jerry. All right, let's go to Katney. Hello. All right, so um, hug report to SummerSoft for keeping up with bug fixes and cookie cutter. Um, I keep finding them, and mm -hmm. they keep being fixed, and it's great. Um, to Doc Malo for getting back into the ESP32 SPI PR that we went over. We went over it a while ago, um, but he set the expectation that uh, it would be a bit before he could get to it, and so um, it's good to see that that is now happening. To Aerofarn for submitting a PR for a Neotrellis module. We need to sort out naming and that sort of thing, but um, it's always really great to see people um, contributing libraries and so on. Um, to Mr. McCluckie for the EPD work, I found a bug that I haven't tested yet, but uh, in theory it may be fixed um, by what they did. So um, I'm looking forward to trying that out and seeing how that goes. Uh, to Roy for helping me begin work on my keynote. Um, I am going to be keynoting uh, Pi Ohio this year and um, obviously need to start working on that. And so that's been super helpful. And one to uh, NNJA, who is Nina for helping me complete a task that I've been sitting on for over a month. Um, sometimes you need other people to <laughs> help you get through things. And uh, that was super helpful. So thank you very much to Nina for that. And that's what I have. Sweet. Thanks you, Kat. Thank you, Katni. Uh, let's go to King of North, who just has a hub report today. Yeah. Um, hi there, everyone. Hi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just a general couple of general hug reports. Just uh, I'm glad to see that all of the uh, learning guides keep getting updated for all the new equipment because it was a big change from going from three to four. And it's really made a difference on how I'm putting together course that I'm going to be running up at college in the fall, hmm. which works out really well using uh, Circuit Playground Express. So just a general hug report to that and for everybody keeping up the good work and also the uh, also the organizational website, the circuitpython.org site as well. That's great to have all those resources there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Excited to hear more about your course. All right. We did Lady Ada already, so we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hi. Okay. Um, first, a hug report to Mike Barella for your help with the Odroid guide. Uh, hug report to Lady Ada for spending some time with me trying to get by working on the Odroid and for helping me with the fritzing issue. And then just a group hug to everyone. Thank you, Melissa. All right, Sedacious. 
Uh, hello, hello. Uh, so I've got two things. Um, one for C. Grover for helping me with some analog stuff on a project I'm working on, and another for Lady Ada for helping me on um, similar analog stuff and helping me figure out some uh, ways to use my oscilloscope to get some testing done. So that's it for me. Thanks. Nice. All right. Uh, Summersoft, I'm going to assume your text only. Uh, so I'll read Summersoft off. After I take a time code, Summersoft says, "Thank you to Four Sticks on their first contribution with a SparkFun Quick Joystick Library for the Community Bundle." Hug report to Shaz, Dan, and myself for the speed up work and a general group hug. All right, and that's hug reports. I think I'm gonna let the cat out of the room, and then we'll get on the status updates. He changed his mind. All right, uh, let's go on the status updates. I'll take a time code. Um, so status updates is kind of a software engineering thing um, where you take a couple minutes to talk about what you've been working on, both uh, kind of what you did in the previous week and what you plan on doing in the coming week. It's a great way to get on the same page with folks and give tips or tricks. Uh, if any longer term discussions come up, um, we'll just note those down and we'll cover them in the next section. So I'll get started and we'll go. Um, so uh, I got partial screen updating checked in, thanks to Dan. Um, and then uh, we did a release uh, with both that change and the performance change as 410 beta zero. Um, so I babysat that on Thursday. So that's been out since Thursday. Um, there's been a couple bugs that have cropped up from that, uh, one of which uh, was that the dirty rectangle tracking on tile grid, like individual tile indices is not working correctly um, when you're rotating the tile grid, so like what terminal does. Um, so that I, I have a fix for that, hopefully get that in today or tomorrow. And then um, this weekend in Portland is the Teardown uh, conference so uh, that's put on by Crowd Supply. So I'm going down there and I'm giving a presentation on Sunday on CircuitPython on the Game Boy stuff. So this week is, uh, I'm going to try to get that fix in, but then I'm going to focus on the presentation that I'm giving and probably um, poking at the Game Boy stuff some more because I... I, I like to do a demo of like, look at how easy CircuitPython is and I want to use the Game Boy to do it. So um, that should be recorded and, and should be able to share that later. So that's my my week. Um, let's circle back and go to Brent. Hello. Um, last week I did a lot of work uh, with Lady Ada on bringing up new boards, uh, testing the boards and verifying that everything on the board works. Um, she mentioned what they were earlier, so um, I added new pin definitions for these boards to Arduino Core and the CircuitPython Core, which is my first CircuitPython Core contribution. Um, and then I released a uh, full like release of RGB LED and put that into the bundle, which is high-level PWM control um, without touching PWM out, which can be intimidating. Um, so this week, I'm playing with the idea of adding a cursor into the PyPortal library. 
for the airlift high badge. So instead of, uh, here's a really weird bad picture, but um, instead of uh, doing the touchscreen stuff for the Pi Portal library, because it's a really good library and doesn't deserve to be written. It does all the image processing stuff too for URLs. So we can like click with the keypad and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then later this week, I'm going to play with Google Cloud's IoT Core. It's similar to Azure's IoT Core, but for Google Cloud services. And I'm going to start looking at... Um, Adam wrote actually a pretty good MQTT-ish client, and I'm going to try to talk to him when he's here mm -hmm. at the factory about getting it into a real CircuitPython MQTT library, because that seems to be what he's gunning for, and I would like that as well. Nice. And that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. Carter is lurking, so we'll go to see Grover. Let's see. Over the last week, um, I was working with my range slicer uh, Eurorack module, and it's running, like I said before, it's running about two or three times faster with the uh, the new version or the beta version of CircuitPython. It's, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I get too excited about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I want to encourage you to continue support for um, the high-speed display that I'm getting from the OLED screens. Um, that really will transform a couple of my projects. And uh, uh, I'd like to see OLED support sooner than later, but I, would, I don't want it to be bogged down by uh, potential um, management like in things you know, like DisplayIO does that. So if there's a way to simplify and keep it fast, that would be really nice. Um, I used uh, KJW's uh, MIDI library to build a basic MIDI sniffer, used an M4 and a custom classic MIDI interface, Featherwing, and I'll post some information about that in a minute. Performance is excellent, and I'm getting good enough response to be able to see the MIDI data streams using a REPL. And um, uh, that's pretty nice for troubleshooting. And Yeah, you can, get, um, you can get applications that run on your computer to sniff USB MIDI, but being able to sniff uh, classic MIDI is pretty uh, useful at times, especially when you have old keyboards like some of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as part of that, I updated a MIDI utility library that I created to include a control change controller description decoder uh, based on the um, based on the MIDI standard 2.0. Um, I added that to an existing bidirectional note value to note name and note value to frequency and note frequency to value <laughs> helpers because it's really helpful to to be able to plug a frequency into it and it'll tell you what note that is or the closest note mm -hmm. and uh, and vice versa. So um, that was a kind of a fun thing to put together. So projects that are coming up, I'm going to release the final version of the uh, the library, the primary library that I used in the range slicer module. It's a it's a hysteresis-based, noise-reducing kind of map range tool for analog signals. And so it can it can get rid of noise in analog um, signals. Uh, it's basically, basically quantizing or quantizing the signal. Um, but it can get rid of the noise without delays, and that's kind of handy when you're dealing with um, control voltage in, in music racks. And then uh, I'll have the final version of the MIDI utility, in, um, and I'll post that along with the MIDI sniffer as an example code somewhere. And then the, uh, I, had a, um, I was inspired by a John Park project to, um, he produced a, or he, he built a prototype MIDI input wing, feather wing. And so I, uh, I 
of course took it to the extreme and added TRS jacks and DIN 5 jacks and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that'll get posted soon too. I'll, I'll post a picture here in a minute. Nice. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you, UC Grover. Charles is lurking, so we're going to go to Dan. Okay, so as we mentioned several times already, um, the 4.1 beta has uh, a speed up of basically 5x for CPU bound um, circuit Python, which was changed just by changing a, a compile time option, which makes the core virtual machine that executes circuit Python bytecodes run faster, a lot faster. It sort of dispatches, it, when it gets an opcode, it decides what to do much more quickly. Hmm. And further, it looks like also comparing with MicroPython, we could get another two to three X speed up by um, calling our background tasks uh, less often. And so we, we were working on that, but um, it's, it's a lower priority than the five X one, but we hope to maybe get at least another two X speed up easily with a very minor amount of work. Um, I'm just about finished with uh, BLE Scanner, which looks for uh, BLE uh, beacons and advertising. And that'll be in uh, the library. That'll be in the next beta of some kind. And I hope to have a beta with this addition. And uh, there's both core changes and uh, um, CircuitPython library changes. And then I have, there's more to do in BLE. There's a lot more to do still. We have plenty of things. Look at the issue list. Mm-hmm. So that's what's up right awesome. now. Okay. Thank you, Dan. All right, let's go to Dishipu. Okay, so I'm back in the Circuit Python land. Yeah. Uh, I just got a Pygamer today in the mail. So I'm, I'm working on that even as we speak. Uh, I just made a pull request. You probably saw that just now for uh, adding PyGamer super to the state library. Mm-hmm. So that basically, uh, that was basically working. Uh, it only adds the interpreting the, the analog joystick also as arrow keys. So that's all the games will work with, with the analog joystick. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, the, the X and Y are reversed in mm-hmm. the uh, board definition, so we probably want to fix that at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, uh, I also, just before the meeting, I did the uh, uh, bouncing balls uh, demo, uh, but using only display I.O., not using the state library. So the display I.O. is uh, fast enough for that right now. Yay. So uh, next next step is to rewrite the uh, jumping wire, this platformer game, and uh, Space Invaders game to use display I/O. We will see how that goes, and then maybe some more games. Uh, I want to I want to write a, a, a Adafruit learn guide for the bouncing balls at least, mm-hmm. uh, using the display I/O because uh, stage at this point becomes obsolete. Right, it's it's less powerful and, and uh, pretty much uh, the, the same speed right now. Mm-hmm. So probably display I/O is the uh, way forward. Okay, and uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you. Sweet, thank you, Dishipu. All right, I'll read Doc Malo off uh, after taking the time code, of course. Doc Malo says, uh, "Finally got my test environment working at home again." Woo. 
um, and got the changes that I reviewed with Katni and Brent Rue submitted for the ESP32 spy library. So that's Doc Malo's update. Uh, Hair Effect is lurking, so let's go to Jerry. Hey, um, so a major accomplishment is I actually cleaned off my office and workspace this week. Spent a lot of time on it. Yay. At least, at least I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually some vacant, vacant surface space. I, I kind of reached gridlock, and it was getting really hard to move work here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, So uh, that took a lot of time. But uh, I did that, uh, there was a question come up in Discord about the uh, PN532 um, NFC reader. And I'd played with them a while ago, and it worked okay, and I hadn't done much with it. So it got my interest and did a lot more with it and found out that there was a, there's a really nice new uh, example that hadn't actually been released yet, but it is now, for using the MyFair versus the Antag 203. And that was that was part of the confusion that was occurring. Hmm. But I just learned a lot more about the, the various cards and, and types of devices and, and what you have to tweak to, to read them. And uh, it's actually pretty cool. Now i got to figure out how to use it. Uh, what to do with it mm -hmm. and um and then again uh, eternal hope I, I i really do want to spend some time this week um checking out doc Molo's changes and and um uh, on the esp3 gspi and and continuously on my list is to is to actually learn how to use display io mm -hmm. so we'll see <laughs> awesome well thank you as always jerry all right let's go to katney hello Okay, so last week, I uh, worked through a bunch of possibilities for how to do a debug version of the bus device library, and eventually came to the conclusion that doing subclassing or any other form of that sort of thing was actually going to be incredibly complicated because of how the debug works in the last function in bus device, and then also came to the conclusion that... Um, if we did it all using subclassing, um, it would not be a drop-in replacement anymore. And uh, that really the easiest way for this to be used is to simply download it, rename it to bus device, and then drop it on the board um, to have a literal drop-in replacement for it. And so um, instead of any kind of um, whatever, we came to the conclusion that it actually just makes sense to duplicate the library. So chose a route, went with it. Um, that's mostly finished, um, worked on that. Uh, Friday and over the weekend, I worked on code for Noen Pedro for a definitely not a lightsaber, light wand. Um, continued work on PyBadger uh, and discussed the intent of PyBadger, uh, which is incidentally more badge focused. The name came before that. Mm -hmm. um, will include all components for simple use and will also make it super simple to turn your board into a badge with your name on it, et cetera. Um, it, uh, well, I'm getting into this. So, this, so this week, um, today's Library Monday, as always. I'm going to be uh, over the next week or two um, at some point helping sort out um, another person who created a library that is um, better in the community bundle. So we need to sort out getting that there. Um, finished debug bus device, which is mostly done. I just need to go through and actually well, two things, test it, um, and make sure that all the documentation and all the stuff transferred over. Um, continue work on PyBadger. Um, it got a little more complicated because we are now making variations on a theme with different size displays and want it to be dynamic. So the code that's in there right now is hard-coded to 
the current Pi Badge and Pi Gamer, um, which are the same size screens. And there are already multiple iterations uh, in the works that have different size screens. So we need to make something that's centering text can't be based on hard coding. It has to be based on the size of the display divided by two and then figure out at that point where the text needs to go. So either it needs to be where um, you set the size of the display yourself, um, which I don't particularly like. Um, I want it to be simpler or um, the code gets super complicated because it's doing all of the math for you, which is really the route that I want to go. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be um, not quite as simple as originally intended, but I think will be much better in the end. Um, I still have blog posts for PyCon to do. Yes, still. Um, I need to finish processing the photos from PyCon. I started that. Um, there's photos of the open spaces of, I don't remember if there's any of the sprints. Um, I think there are. Um, and some group photos of the team that went that uh, PT wanted. So I need to get those to him. Uh, doing form support on Tuesday and Thursday. Be updating a guide with a new wiring diagram. We have a community member now who's working on some very pretty wiring diagrams for us, or pinout diagrams rather, um, of various boards. Uh, it's just easier to visualize um, than it is with uh, just seeing what the pins are written out in text. And then I want to test the EPD update on the 2.13 inch e-ink display. It was having issues where it was not filling anything. Um, it would do every other line. So it just looked like a series of lines instead of a full rectangle. Um, it turns out it was a bug with that particular display, not a bug with the code or software or anything like that, which took a while to figure out. Um, but I want to test it because uh, Mr. McQuethy seems to think that it's possible that it's fixed, but doesn't have that display to test with. So mm -hmm. I still have it wired up even from the last time I used it. So it should be easy test. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is where I'm at. Nice. Thank you, Katney. All right. King of North is lurking. We already did Lady Ada. So we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hello. Okay. So last week I did the Odroid uh, finishing touches in Blinka. Uh, I finished the Odroid C2 guide and um, that got published this weekend. Um, I'm started. I started adding Dragonboard 410C to Blinka and working on a guide for that. I tested some ILI 9341 display issues regarding the terminal I/O, which I think you talked about already, and I uh, did some Blinka website updates. This week, I will be working on getting the Dragonboard 410C added to Blinka and uh, working on the guide for that. I still want to uh, actually test that the Orange Pi R1 Spine UART stuff works fine. Mm -hmm. um, I have some more Blinka website updates to do, which is mostly adding all the Raspberry Pi stuff that we already support. And I have uh, the Portland Teardown 2019 starting on Friday. Woohoo. <laughs> it's gonna be exciting yes it will <laughs> all right uh let's go to sedacious howdy so uh last week i worked on the updates to the bd3491 fs driver uh that's a so-called uh, audio processor chip made by rome um it's kind of like a the equivalent of a i guess you could build like a simple receiver from it. So uh, the update to the RevB has added three-band EQ support. So I updated drivers to get that working. Um, 
afterwards, I started working on a tester for that same board, or rather the tester code. And as part of that, um, Lamar showed me some uh, how to adapt some cool code that is able to um, assess the frequency of a signal and um, voltage levels and all that stuff. So, you know, able to quantify a analog signal is the way you want it to be. So that was really fun. Also got to do um, some uh, scope stuff, uh, oscilloscope stuff in, in uh, measuring all that. And that was really interesting and fun because I hadn't used mine much. Um, also, uh, afterwards, um, I passed the, um, the rest of the testing stuff for that off to Lady Ada and moved on to the DS3502, which is an I2C potentiometer board designed by Catney. Uh, it's very cool little board. Um, you know, if you want to not have to turn a knob to change your potentiometer and instead want to, you know, send some I2C commands, this is what you'll need. Um, so I uh, finished the drivers for that and started, uh, worked on the tester code and tester PCB for that. Uh, it was relatively simple and got out pretty quick. Um, I assembled some VCNL 4040s, also designed by Catney, uh, to work on the Arduino driver. Um, so I'll be doing that this week. Um, so yeah, working this week, I'll be working on the guide for the DS3502 um, driver, Arduino driver for the VCNL4040. Um, also testing a new OLED breakout that I've been sitting on for a little bit. Um, and doubtless other stuff as well. That's it. Awesome. Thanks, Sedacious. All right. Uh, last but not least, we have Summersoft, who's text only today. So I will read that off. Summersoft says, uh, last week uh, did the on cookie cutter Adafruit CircuitPython, fixed some formatting issues. Uh, for RosyPy, I finished the Rosy side physical test framework. This allows tests written outside of the core repo to run on the Raspberry Pi while controlling the board being tested. There's a sweet log uh, at this GitHub gist, which I will post. Um, also on Rosie, started on the RPI config to run Rosie app and Rosie Pi. Researched and defined some architecture details, which database, Sinatra versus Flask, etc. Uh, this week, work, more work on RosyPy and RosyApp, uh, write some actual tests, and finish the RPI config and possibly set up an Ansible slash Terraform for the config. All right, and that's Summersoft's update, and that's the last update of status updates. I don't think we had anybody come in in the middle. Um, so lastly, we'll go into the weeds. Um, into the weeds is our section for discussing any sort of long-form topics. Um, that have come up or people want to discuss. Um, if you have topics for it, um, whenever in the meeting beforehand, feel free to drop them in the text uh, channel and let us know. And we'll, we'll snag those and put those in the notes. Or you can access the notes doc directly and add it to the list there. So um, first up, I think this is Deshipu's, but we have a bullet point for discussion of accessing pixels of on-disk bitmap and converting it to a in-memory bitmap. Yeah, so this is basically two things rolled into one. So I tried to use on disk bitmap uh, for in in the jumper wire mm -hmm. for uh, the uh, level definition uh, bitmap. Okay. Because I'm uh, 
it's I know this is not uh, the usual way you use bitmaps, but uh, it's useful in 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 this case. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and it can be on this bitmap because you don't care that much about uh, speed about rendering it on the screen. Mm -hmm. In this case, and then you can have really large level uh, for you. But uh, while normal bitmap has the uh, accessors for the pixels the, on this bitmap doesn't seem mm. to have them. Mm -hmm. So it would be nice to add them. And then it occurred to, to me that once we have them, or maybe if we add a special method to uh, copy the on this bitmap to a normal bitmap, we could drop the uh, uh, BMP law, the, the image law, loader library completely and have only one uh, code for loading bitmaps. But, uh, but no, I, I, on disk bitmap is intentionally for large bitmaps that are like full color. No, of course. Yeah. But I mean, we already have code for lo for reading BMP files in there. So why not just, you know, add a method that makes a normal bitmap from it and reuse the same code for loading uh, the sprites and everything else. Then we have uh, half the bugs we could have, basically. <laughs> Right, but but I'm I guess what I'm getting at is that the image load library supports more things than the core C code does. Uh, for instance, what what's that? Like like, the only way to support index bitmaps is with the image load library. Oh, I see. Okay. Right there, like. Okay, don't scratch that. That that's a bad idea. But the. Uh, uh, I could act, uh, uh, I guess I could work on the accessors yep. for the on this bitmap, so I, I, I can yeah. add that if that if you think that's a good idea. Yeah, Index uh, bitmaps I... wouldn't be that hard to add though, would it? What a what a uh, indexed bitmaps wouldn't be that hard to add to the C code. It wouldn't, but like why do you need it as C code when you could have it as Python code? I think in general the thought is I don't know. I, I I don't understand the motivation for having image loading code spread across right. more places than necessary. Well, the the, mo the motivation to having on disk bitmap was being able to put a full color image on like a Halloween or a Pi Portal, mm -hmm. where you, like as a background or something, where you don't want like the huge footprint of a full color BMP in memory as you're trying sure. to do other stuff. And so that's the only reason for its existence. I, like I, I don't know. I it's, believe so. Whatever, it's fine. Okay, all right. Well, it's, it's a enough. it's a memory optimization, right? Like, right. Sure. Yeah, I get that. Um, cool. Yeah, I. Yeah. Which is why which is why image load is so index color specific because it's, mm -hmm. those are the things that you can store in memory. And right. like on disk bitmap has a huge caveat around the access pattern because it's it's really costly to go from different sectors of the file, um, mm -hmm. which we found out. <laughs> which I've like I've I've kind of bent over backwards in the like partial updating code to make sure that when we're getting pixels out of a bitmap, we always go in row order. Um, right, the, that, that makes way. sense. Uh, so I guess one thing I kind of see maybe on the horizons I don't. 
me or someone else will ever get back to JPEG support. But right. if if that does happen, it seems like it would want to live in Steeland, and then it would kind of continue this spread of stuff across different uh, domains. But maybe we can burn that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, well, I think... Right, like, you, you... there's the trade-off between me pulling it straight off disk and having it in memory. And I think one of the challenges with any any format where it is decompression, like, that makes it even harder to, like, is it in memory or is it in on disk? And mm-hmm. if it's in memory, it's giant, right? Like... Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll figure it out. That's fine. Yeah, I think... Radimir, I think starting with just pixel level access to on disk bitmap like makes a lot of sense. Okay, thank you. Um, it's just done as the subscript, so sub scr. Yeah, yeah. I, I will just look at the default bitmap, the normal bitmap, and I will copy that basically. Yep, sounds good. All right, uh, let's go to Deshipu's second comment. Yeah, so uh, continuing on display I.O. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right now defaults to about 30 frames per second, which is which is good for most use cases for user interfaces and so on. Mm-hmm. But uh, often in, in games, you don't need that high a frame rate. And you really want to have the frame rate synchronized with mm-hmm. how fast your game is uh, running. Because uh, you don't want to move things by half a pixel per right. frame, for instance, because right. then it really looks bad. It it looks jumpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> I I think it would be nice to have some control about uh, for the frame rate, to at least to be able to limit it to something like twelve frames per second, mm-hmm. or twenty four frames per second. I I found that on for most uh, sprite based games in this resolution. 12 frames per second is more than enough. Hmm. So Yeah, so I've thought, uh, I've thought some about this, um, and it's probably something I'll get to once I'm back from Teardown. Um, the Game Boy is an interesting case because it has its screen. So part of what I've been thinking is that, like, displays have a natural refresh rate, right? Like, um, it can vary with the displays we have full control over. Like, for example, I was looking at, like, the... ILA 9341 and it you can clock it as slow as like 60 basically or as fast as like 111 hertz um so I think one thing I want to do is I want when we do display initialization it's a giant constructor right now but I think I also want to give it a notion of or knowledge of what the native frame rate of the screen is um so for example if you what I think we should do for our drivers by default is configure them to be at 60. Um, and then uh, what I want to add, I think, to the display itself is, like, we have wait for frame, but I think what we need is we need to say, like, f- starting now, don't update without me calling wait for frame. And then you can, at that point, you can also say, like, a divisor on the native frame rate of the display. So if if your frames were running at 60, but you only run a, run your, your game logic at 15, that's where you would say 15. And then every time you wait for frame, you're basically, like, in that case, you're do, doing a division by four. So you, your wait for frame call would actually wait for four frames of the actual f- display. 
for every cycle. Okay, uh, but then if you have a device with, uh, say, 50 hertz frame rate, then the game will become easier on it because true. it will be slightly slower. Right. That's a good point. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is why it hasn't been done yet. Um, right. So instead of doing it as a divisor, you need to do it as a like proper frame rate, uh, like just a frames per second number. Yeah, probably. Um, and then you need to figure out like how to skip some frames to get an approximation of that. Um, yeah, it's worth thinking about. And then the other thing is that like game logic, the the amount of time game game logic can take to run can vary as well. Um, and I think basically what PK8 does, and what I was thinking we would do is we we basically keep a track for the counts of refreshes of both the game code, which is basically calling wait for frame, and the the display itself saying it 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 did a frame refresh. Um, and if you get too far behind like you'll you'll start dropping updates to the display until the game logic catches back up um and then you can also have a like if i get over 20 frames behind or whatever then like throw an exception and let me know and um like build ways of managing that for like yeah that that makes sense for like you know, like one example is like with the way that the Celeste code works is like you do a big screen update when you load a new level because the level itself is static. Um, so potentially you get a, fr a frame or two behind. So you may drop, um, you may call the, the game logic more than once, or you may also choose to like, if we, we can make wait for frame say like reset frame counter or something as a, as a keyword arg that basically says, I know I was slow right because i just did a level load but ne like from now on reset that counter so that i know that i'm uh in so sync again i think i think we should write a few more games to get a feel of what we actually need there sure yeah yeah and i think like thinking about the the, the display driver side is something that's still relatively new to like I haven't actually gone in and audited the init sequences to actually understand what frame rates they're starting the displays at. Um, and then at least for the pipe portal, we have access to the tear enable line as well. So instead of doing it as like, we know what it was initialized at and we just kind of track the refresh rate on our own, we could actually get a signal coming in from the display uh, for exactly when it's updating, which is kind of interesting too. Um, yeah, definitely. And then there's the displays that are doing the RGB stuff. So like the the hyperpixel, which is Pimeroni's thing, is like it's it's not using a display that has its own RAM, so it's constantly spitting pixels out back at the display. And like, how does that change synchronization stuff as well? So yeah, it's interesting, and it's definitely something we should do. Um, let's. I'm excited to see you come back, Radomir, and, and start poking at it. And, and yeah, we'll make it better for sure. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. But my, my intention was that wait for frame would give you that, like, the basic. That, that only, wait for frame only helps you if you're faster than the refresh rate. It doesn't help you if you're slower right now. Well, it, it helps you when you have faster but then you still have to wait uh, with your game logic right uh, to to not be 
not have the game too fast because just because uh, there was some optimization recently and your code is running faster right or something right. like that so you still have to like tick have ticks on the wall clock time uh thing so yeah. I, i'm i'm thinking maybe this is where the async stuff would work too mm. Okay. So this is a bit uh, big then. <laughs> yeah, let's think about it. I like I, I like the Pico Eight model of like you either write your game logic to be thirty frames a second or sixty, and then like it handles the like oh it was really slow, so let me just like skip this expensive like pushing pixels to this the display and just like move on and run your game code again because all of the all of the partial updating code that I wrote is totally okay with you like skipping frames essentially where like it keeps track of where it was rendered last time and you can move it around multiple times um in that, yes, of course. In that process which is good so they, it, it's still nice especially if you have like two, only two frames of animation it's nice to be able to synchronize with the the, the animation logic with the frames so mm -hmm. that uh, you don't have like two two frames in a row or or you know you don't move by one and a half pixel and then it moves one pixel, one frame and two pixels, another frame. And that really looks really bad. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I, I realize it, it's a reconciling two worlds. Yeah. And, and one <laughs> of the things I'm seeing with the Celeste code that I have right now is like, as my character moves, I'm actually moving X and Y separately. And like, there's, right now nothing preventing you from like moving one direction and then moving the other direction the next frame um because because we don't we'll update as soon as we can um so yeah it's definitely something that we need to work on all right uh that was a long awesome in the weeds discussion uh let's just do dan and then we'll wrap up okay this is um more vague and now for something but, uh, completely different right so uh so one one thing i've been doing in bleio stuff is that i've been trying to minimize the amount of code that's in c and even the types that are in c in the native module and the bleio module so there are some classes in there for instance that don't do like string parsing you just pass in a bunch of bytes and i would do the string parsing like in a in a wrapper class or something like that. So a question is, um, those of you who've done some BLE uh, code, whether we should make the BLEIO library be like really, really internal and maybe even name it underscore BLEIO so that its API is not considered to be public mm -hmm. so that we can change it without bumping the version numbers all the time or we can change it merely by um, we'll have to keep the library synced up with what's going on in the in the in the image, but uh, that's that's sort of an idea. Or whether we should, yes, still make a public interface for people who want to do lower level BLAIO and uh, kind of guarantee that there is an API that survives uh, during a major version number. And I just know, like maybe Jerry or some other people have some opinion about um what they're doing what we're doing in that case like for instance uuids the functionality of uuids is actually perfectly 
adequate in BLEIO. So I could make a wrapper class, or I could just say, well, if you want to use UUIDs, use BLEIO.UUID. Or should I have an Adafruit B underscore BLE.UUID class, which is just like a renaming or a wrapping of the other class? That's an example. Um, maybe I'm not being so clear, but I'm trying to say like, should the lower level thing be exposed as it is in display IO and, you know, digital IO and so forth. Most of our native modules are not meant to be so internal. They're, they're meant for general use as well. I think I like the idea of going to internal for 5.0. That doesn't preclude us from moving back to a public model later once it's really settled down. Mm -hmm. But I think that by by basically exempting ourselves from major version numbers for a little while for BLE uh, is not a bad thing. And, and using the, the library to provide some stability is fine. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like the idea of at least temporarily going to a world where it's underscore BLEIO. And then you can provide the guarantees about the UUID, for example, its API simply by like in your wrapper library importing the object and just saying UUID equals underscore BLEIO dot UUID for, yeah, the, for yeah. the time being, right? But that still gives you the flexibility if you do want to change it to wrap it then properly. Uh, right. And, we do have to have make the, either make the library. We still have to sync up the library. If we make incompatible changes, either we have to put code in the in the library that handles both the old and the new internal right. interface right. or we have to tell people what to do and in which in, if we sort of say like oh you can only use this version of library with you know 5.2 or something that's kind of worse than just incrementing the major version number so right I'm kind of thinking about it sort of both ways yeah but you can uh, also do backwards compatibility if if need be yeah yeah um yeah. But I, I, I think there's I think there's going to be a lot of work in this vein. Like, as you get central going and we figure out the like, Beely as a as a supervisor service stuff, right? Like, what does Beely mean outside of the context of user code in the VM? Mm -hmm. um, so I think having that flexibility to just really experiment by making it internal for a while is is fine. Like right. very few people right. are using it publicly now. And so, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you might say that the same is true of, of display IO in the long run, if we might write enough display libraries, but yeah, have been careful yeah. to make it kind of more useful at, at that level, for instance, or something. Right. I mean, I think in general, like I, I kind of like the idea of, of moving this to this model, like the early stuff really is underscore something for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we should do more of that um, as we go forwards. All right, all right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try that and see. I'll, I'll try sort of try it. Think about it both ways and see what, what makes sense. But I'll, I'll definitely am open to that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and like okay. remember, we can always change it later. <laughs> That's right. We can always change it back. Yeah, I mean, Python's really forgiving when it comes to uh, naming and and substituting one thing for another is like even for imports like if you had original code that was underscore 
underscore BLEIO and we change it to not, you can still import BLEIO as underscore BLEIO if you're too lazy to search and replace. Yeah. Like, like that's okay. Or, or, or you're trying to be backwards compatible. Like that would be a, another reason to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's fine. All right. Okay. Uh, um, we're over an hour and 10 minutes. So let's wrap this up. Um, thanks, Dan. Uh, this was the Adafruit Circuit Python Weekly for June seventeenth, twenty nineteen. Uh, this happens every week on Mondays at eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern, um, on the Adafruit Discord server, which you can join by going to the URL adafru.it/discord. Uh, we chat in the Circuit Python text channel along with the voice channel for Circuit Python. Um, Everyone is welcome to, to attend, either uh, full-on like chatting about everything or just lurking. Uh, either one is fine. We'd love to hear about projects, um, house remodel, desk, or uh, office cleaning. That's all good. We, we like to hear about it all. Um, and it was recorded. It will go up on YouTube uh, later today. It will be in the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter, which uh, has lots and lots of really good things. So I suggest everybody subscribe at adafruitdaily.com. Um, that newsletter is publicly developed. There's a GitHub repo. So if you have projects you've done and you want to get the word out or blog posts you've done about CircuitPython, um, let us know. We'd love to include it and we'd love to have you as an editor for that newsletter as well. Um, so feel free to reach out if that's interesting. And uh, Notes will go up with the videos as well. So if you don't want to watch the whole thing, um, although I'm talking about this at the end, so uh, you probably listened to it at all. Um, and with that, uh, we'll chat with everybody next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>